Welcome to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. God, Lord, just place your hands on your heart this morning and let's just pray. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word that's, that's going to reside in our hearts. In fact, for your word that's already in our hearts. We thank you for more seeds that you're going to sow in there, Lord. Father, we want to thank you that, God, you're causing this to grow and bear much fruit. Today, my heart is yours. Today, Lord, I know my heart is not a heart of stone, but, Lord, you're going to write upon my heart. You're going to write upon my heart. Write upon it right now, Lord. just want to thank you. We bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Uh, okay, do you think I could uh, go with this, my friend? Oh, yes, to boldly go. So today I, was, I boldly went with this, uh, with this contraption in my hands. I'd like for us to, yes, I'd like for us to stand and read this passage of scripture. Come on, let's stand and let's declare that this morning together. Corporately, let's read this together. Okay, one, two, three. You yourselves are all the endorsement we need. Your very lives are a letter that anyone can read by just looking at you. Christ himself wrote it, not with ink, but with God's living spirit, not chiseled into stone, But carved into human lives, we publish it. Amen. Next verse. Keep standing. Keep standing. We're gonna we're gonna declare a few verses. Can I have that screen? If it can come up there, that would be wonderful. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentiles. The good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Amen. Let's look at another version, the the Passion Version. Let's read this together. I refuse to be ashamed of sharing the wonderful message of God's liberating power unleashed in us through Christ. For I am thrilled to preach that everyone who believes is saved. The Jew first, and then people everywhere. The gospel unveils continual revelation of God's righteousness, a perfect righteousness given to us when we believe. And it moves us from receiving life through faith to the power of living by faith. This is what the scripture means when it says, we are right with God through life-giving faith. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, I see it as the very power of God, working for salvation for everyone who believes it, both Jew and Greek. I see it in God's plan for imparting righteousness to men, a process begun and continued by faith. For as the scripture says, the just shall live by faith. Amen. God blesses the reading of his word. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Wasn't that good to be able to read his passage of scripture together? Wonderful. I've, I'm going to invite uh, one of our coaches, Joaquim Neto. He's going to come and he's going to share with us a little bit. We, we're on the series of the power 
of the gospel, being unashamed of it. So I've asked him to share. He shared a, he shared a very interesting tes- testimony with us at our staff, me- at our staff devotion. And, and so I suggested for him to actually share this and uh, probably a couple of other things. Neto, we call him Neto, it's easier. You know, Joaquim is Joaquim or Joaquin or joking. You know, sometimes we even call him joking. So, so Neto, would be, Neto would be good, right? Praise God. So Neto has served as a missionary to South Africa, India, and several other places. So this man uh, takes the gospel out there. He uses the medium of soccer to take it out there. Hallelujah. So we are in a bit of a, uh, it's a treat for us to have him. And then later we'll also uh, have Lama, not today, but another day, we're going to invite him to also come up and share his testimony as well. So, up to you. Do you want me to interpret? <laughs> Can you please? Uh, good morning, everyone. So, for me, it's a real pleasure to be here, and especially to share what the Lord has done. Uh, when I was in Brazil, my senior pastor, he invited me to have a meet with him because he had something special for me to do. And then when I, re- I arrived there, he said to me, Neto, I would like to invite you and some friends from our youth to do something very special in a, a small town in my hometown, in a countryside. And then uh, after a few days, we went to there. But this is a very small town. When we reached there, all the people, they came to see us because they want to know us. They want to, have a, to get a friend with us. But something very, very special happening with us in the first day when we arrived there. Because when the pastor called us to have a meet, he said, but to do this mission, you must be read by prayer and fasting. And then, when we arrived there, one young guy, he came to help us, to show us the way and the church, because we are going to stay there for a few months in this church. And then, on the way to the church, in a very busy street, one drunk man, he came, and then he touched me on my back. When he turned, he saw me and my friends, we had our Bible with us. And then he said, oh, no. I know believers, believers, they don't want to give money to me to drink. So, and then we said, oh, unfortunately, we are not going to give money for you because we are going to drink. And then he said, all right, but I know one thing you can do for me. And then when he did it, all the people on the street, they came close to us and they started looking at us like that. Because what he did, he just uh, get on his knees and then he said, I know you, can't, you are not going to give him money, but you can pray for me. But my friends, they said to me, oh, I'm not going to pray for him. Oh, no, I'm not ashamed. Can you see all the people came to see us? And they said, oh, no, God, and now what I have to do? <laughs> and also he said, please, all of you put your hands on my head. And then my friend said, oh, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And they said, so, guys, we must do it. We must pray for him. 
And then we did it. He get on his knees, and all of us put our hands on his head, and we prayed for him. But something special happened after that. He started following us in everywhere. Everywhere he started following us. And then we make one choice. We said, why are you not going to take care of him? And then we start taking care of him. We went to visit his house. We, and later on, we start to do some Bible study with him. But something very, very difficult happened. Because when we, we went to visit his house, we could see his wife did not want him to be free. And she used to knock him in his room. This way, he could not go to the church to have our Bible study with us. But we not give up on him. We, we went to visit him and invite him. And then, after a few months, after a few months, one day, we had our Bible study with all the people. And then, I asked him, who wants to accept Jesus? And then he said, me. Oh, the, the Holy Spirit that all the people in the church, and then most of them start crying, others sing, and he was drunk in, at that day. He was drunk, as always. But do you know what happened? In the other day, he knocked our door, and then he said, do you think I make my choice because I was drunk? It's not true. Now I am, I was a newborn. Amen? And then we started. And all the doors before, when we, before was closed to us to share the word of God. After that, after that, all the doors almost opened for us. Because the people start asking who is this guy who came from very front, uh, uh, far away to came here to share the word of God and especially to take care of him, the one who is new in the town as a drunk man. God called us to do something very special there. And we, as we were open to see and to hear from God, we could help our friend. And today... By the grace of God, of our Lord, we have one church there. We have a cup of pastor who works there. And our church is blessing our town. And God has made, has made very, very nice things there. And for me, it's a real pleasure because I start this church there. I had the pleasure to be there in the beginning. And especially because we make a choice. We make a choice to not be ashamed to share the word of God. Amen. Amen. And the other important thing, in 2012, before I went to South Africa, I was living in a, in a town in Brazil called Recife. It's a big, big town. When I was there, I was working as a youth pastor. And one young girl, she came to me. Because I was working in a church, the people, they live very well. They, they have money. So, uh, but she came to me. She said, Pastor, I'm not from this church, 
but I know uh, someone talk, told me about you, and I want to have a chat with you. Is it possible? And I said, of course it is. You can do it right now. And then she said, no, Pastor. What I have to say for you, it's a very, very difficult thing what I have to share with you. I can't do it right now. Oh, I'm sorry. When you are able to do it, and then I think after two or three days, she came to our church, and then she said, she shared with me something like that. She was, she was involved with drugs, and she got a boyfriend at the prison, and she was had a terrible time in his life. And then she started crying, and then she said, Pastor, I am completely lose the control of my life. Please, please help me. Please help because I don't know what will happen with me. Because I don't want, I don't want to do it. But it's more powerful than me. And then when she was shared with me, I felt the Holy Spirit touch with me and said to me, in this case, you have to help her by prayer and actions. But I said, but I don't know what I have to do. And at that time, I was single. She was single too. And this is a very delicate situation. I can't share with all the people from the church. But the Holy Spirit said, you must do something to her. And then I spoke with few people from the church, like a doctors, psychologists, social worker. I said to her, can you please help me? This, I don't know what I have to do. And then we organized. We helped her a lot. And for the God, really worked on her. She, said she got free from this. But one day she said to me, I want to share what God has done for me in our church. Our church, that is a very big church. And are you sure about that? Because the people, you know you. And then she said, I am sure about that. And then I spoke with the senior pastor, and then he said, okay, if he, she said free to do it, and then, and then she shared with the church, and then she said, and today, when it's happening, she was 21. And when it's happening, she said, today, this is, I was born today. So now I am, I turn one only now. And then after that day, she put in her Facebook, today I'm, I'm, I'm turned two, I'm turned three years. And the people start asking, why you do it, Carol? Because I know you are not so young like that. And then she said, because I was born now. And do you know one thing very special she did? As she start, as she start, uh, walk with Jesus, she lives in a very, very township. In Brazil, it's unfortunate, it's common. Township, very poor place. And then she said, Pastor, do you know what I am going to do? I'm going to visit all my friends who is, I, I gave the drugs to him. And I'm going to share the word with all of them. And she did it. She did it. And today, by the grace of the Lord, she is a missionary. She has a very, very nice work there. 
and most of the people, the, the, the drugs people, they respect her. The police also, because they know what she is doing right now. Because she said, I received God. I, now I am a new person. And I don't want to keep it all with me. I'm going to share about that with all my friends. And just to finalize, this is a, really the power of the gospel. Amen? That's awesome. Fantastic. Thank you, Neto. Really, really appreciate that. Really appreciate that. You know, just to recap a little bit, thank you for, thank you for sharing that. And it's, it's so good to see how God can move through you and I. And when he changes our lives, what happens to that? What happens to that? What happens to a life that is changed? So when, you, when we look at this passage of scripture, it speaks of transformation. Amen. The power of transformation. The power of a, of a transformed life. You know, um, the, the connect group that I'm part of, I, I, I love the discussions we have in, in our connect group because we, we, we're fairly, uh, I think, uh, uh, honest and we try to go as deep as we can and uh, we're casual in, in a sense. And when I say casual, meaning... Um, we feel relaxed enough to be able to share and, and to be able to really, uh, I, I, use, I love using the word to and fro. You know, we just, we just, we go back and forth and, and hopefully try to challenge, hopefully ask the right questions and all of that. So we've been talking about this, uh, these passages of, of scripture. And, you know, one of the things that I think many of us feel akin to is this, that the approach we take to sharing the gospel is more on a relationary-based form. So because we have a relationship with someone we share, and and as per Corinthians that that you saw, that we are that letter that others read. And so when others read that letter, they see our lives, and they want to desire that now, obviously, in that, you know, we ask several other questions like, so what about Billy Graham then, with the crusade that he runs? And thousands come for it, and people accept the Lord. But yet many of us sometimes tend to only take this one approach. Now, we're not saying that in our discussions we only decided to go with one approach. But of, often we, we say that this is, you know, I feel more comfortable with this approach and I want us to examine that ourselves. I'm not saying that is wrong at all. You know, it's, that's, that's, not what, that's not where I'm coming from. But it's, it's important for us to begin to recognize why we've come to that. I know when I first accepted the Lord, this, this, was, my, this, this was my experience. I had a major transformation, you know, I mean, just major transformation. I used to speak words that I shouldn't, used to do things that probably I shouldn't. And when I accepted the Lord, everything, it, it just stopped. It just immediately stopped. And I was, so, I was so changed, I was so transformed, that I thought, man, this is so good. And then life went on. And challenges came. And uh, I came to a point where I said, 
and I think I've shared this, but I'll put it in this context, where I, I began to wonder, man, is this what the Christian life is? I didn't sign up for this. So I decided to tell the Lord, well, so what if I go to hell? You know, that was my, that was my conversation with him. And, and, and as some of you heard me share this story, when I opened my daily bread for that morning, uh, or that afternoon, I don't know what it was, in big bold letters that day, it says, you fool. And, and right below, you fool, were these words, was this passage of scripture, he that puts his hand on the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. So that day, I repented again, and I said, oh dear Lord, I will never ever say that. You know, but God in his kindness just called me a fool, just once. Thank God he stopped calling me a fool ever again. Because all of my passages of scripture, all of my, uh, all of my, oh, oh, all, all of what I had read post that had never had that description. It was about me being a child, being a son, being adopted, being loved, being cared for. But the, but the thing I wanted to bring across really clearly is this, that we experience this power of transformation early on. And then as we move on in our Christian walk, we find that, oh, maybe the transformation wasn't as, as powerful as it was. And so we begin to then reconsider this aspect for I'm not ashamed of the gospel and I see it and so we begin to then now probably try to present the gospel in a way that may be appealing to someone else because we want that person not to be maybe fooled like how we were fooled or seemingly fooled so based on our experience, we begin to embellish this. We begin to tweak it. We begin to remove certain things that we feel maybe, I don't think we should share it like that. Let, let me make it palatable a little bit more. So we begin to share it from, from, that, from that context. And I just want us to think about Paul. And today I just want to highlight just one aspect, just, just the word power. What that word power is. And you know that word power is often said that, that in the Greek it is the word dunamis. And dunamis is often referred to as, oh, it's, it's dynamite, but that's not the right etymology of the usage of that word. It is not, it doesn't really mean dynamite as such, because during the days of Paul, I don't think that was ever present. So there was no comparison for him to use the word dynamite. There was no sense in his mind that this is dynamite. So, it, so the usage of dunamis does not mean dynamite. But it means this, dynamic power, the dynamic power of God that can really change and transform you and I. So it doesn't need to be that, that aspect of dynamite, but it's this dynamic power that is operating through you, through you, which is now present in you. And it begins to generate that. It's like maybe like a dynamo, you know, that brings that that, 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 that gives that power. And, and interestingly, why does Paul... I mean, last year we celebrated 500 years of, of, of uh, uh, Protestant Reformation, right? This verse here, that's pivotal. The just shall live by faith. Was what that, that, that brought you and I to where we are today. I know for me, growing up in a Catholic church, I didn't know what that was. Because it was more works-oriented. But then, then it came to a point where I experienced this. Oh, it's by faith, the just. I'm now just because of the work that Jesus has done. So that work is powerful. 
That is powerful, not based on you and I and, and, and our experiences or our lack of it. And maybe, maybe today we need to consider that our experiences need to catch up with the power of God. Amen? Maybe that's, that's what needs to happen, and that's what God is reminding us, that, that through these months, that we need to come back to this place again of looking, reorientating ourselves to this, 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 this powerful aspect of the gospel, that the gospel in itself is powerful. And we looked, we looked through some aspects, just to recap a little bit. I think it's gone to sleep, so can someone wake it up for me, please? Thank you. Yes, we, we, we re, just to recap, we talked about being, being ashamed of the gospel versus being shamed for the gospel. We are shamed for the gospel, but it doesn't mean that we should be ashamed of the gospel, right? Jesus combats, how did Jesus combat that? The shaming behavior. This is a powerful verse. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, right? For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising, despising the shame. That's how Jesus fought through that. He works through that, right? And because Jesus worked through and fought through that and succeeded, he succeeded that for you and I. That is why we are able to say that we, are not, we, will, we will not be shamed. That is why Jesus will never be ashamed of us, right? Because of what he's done for us. So when faced with shaming encounters, we don't alter the gospel to make it more popular or inoffensive, right? And if you look at that passage of scripture, for the message about Christ's death on the cross is nonsense to those who are being lost, but for those of us who are being saved, it is God's power. Say it with me. It is God's power. It is God's power. It is that dynamic power. The message of the cross right, is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know that it is the very power of God. Hallelujah. What else? We remind ourselves that the gospel will triumph. We remind ourselves that the gospel alone brings forgiven sinners to final everlasting joy. You know, one of the things that we were discussing was, was this, that, you know, did Jesus ever tell the person before changing that, oh, you sinner, you this, you that. He accepted them as who they were. Same thing, when we heard the powerful testimony. You know, the first thing when I, when, when, when I heard that he was, uh, he was drunk and he raised his hands, immediately, the immediate thought that went to my mind was this, did he really know what he was doing? Maybe he was too drunk. And before I could even finish that sentence, Neto answered it by saying that this guy came to him, knocked on the door and said, did you think that when I decided to follow Christ, that I was drunk because I was drunk? See, he knew because the, the, the Spirit of the Lord is able to do a deep work in someone that we ourselves struggle to. So the Holy Spirit can do that. Our job is just to bring the person. And when we bring the person, then like Christ, we say, hey, sin no more. We journey with the person. And we help the person through. And, 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 and we... we I believe we all know that and we all desire that, right? We remind ourselves that Jesus went through it all and made it possible and victorious. And why? Because of this, in, of this imperishable seed that is inside of us when we were born again. And that happens through us abiding. Hallelujah. So here, when, we, when you and I look at the word dunamis, this is, what that, that, this is what the word means. It is the inherent power, power residing 
in a thing by virtue of its nature for which a person or thing exerts and puts forth the power to perform miracles. So it is the dunamis power that operates through you and I. And that is why when, when we read that pas passage of scripture, do not be ashamed of the power of the gospel. That's what the power of the gospel is. The power of the gospel is to bring, is, is, to, is to then provide you and I with that, with that miraculous aspect. Last week, I was here on crutches, hobbling a little bit, right? For the first time in 15 years, I think I sat down and preached. And it was the most difficult thing to do, to sit down and preach when you're one that likes to walk up and down. Hallelujah. So, praise God. So, you know, I had a couple of people pray, and I think it was, it, it was down when we were having lunch, and then CJ came up to me, can I, can I annoy you? And, uh, and, and, and maybe for the 20th time or whatever, probably, uh, you know, asked whether I could pray for you, right? Because the, her assumption was many others would have prayed for me, and so, you know, one more person, so I said, no, go for it. And so she laid hands, and she prayed. Then uh, I wiggled my toe and moved my legs, and I said, well, yeah, I can, uh, still hurts. Oh, okay, let's pray again. So then she prayed one more time, and then I said, oh, I could move that a little bit more, which I couldn't, and so praise God. And Anyway, I went back home. I was exhausted, and I slept on the couch. And then, as you know, you don't remember anything, right? After you wake up. You know, you, you don't necessarily think that, oh, I've got a sprained ankle or fractured leg or whatever, and I better be careful. You don't. You just wake up, you put your legs on the floor, and you, and you, and you stand up, and suddenly I realize, hey, I can put my weight on my foot. And I felt healed. And so I thought, now I don't need someone to pray for my armpits to be healed because I was using the crutches. So I put the crutches aside and didn't need to use that because God began to start healing this. And then I come to work the next day for a short while and uh, Laurent then lays hands and, and prays for me. And, uh, and then when I went back home and I saw, man, the swell has gone down. And so I got so excited that I went to the gym yesterday. And was told that you should not have because you've overdone yourself. And so the swell is up here a little bit more. <laughs> not because of a lack of power of God, but a sheer lack of, a, of, of wisdom on my part. Right? So God heals. But when there's a lack of wisdom in our approach, he takes his hands off and he says, well, that's your doing. But if you come to me, I will still heal. Hallelujah. He doesn't say serve you, right? But he says, come to me and I will still heal you. Hallelujah. And that's the, that's the, God, we, that's the God we serve. You know, um, a, a, a large two-engine train was making its way across America while crossing the western mountains. One of the engines broke down. No problem. We, we can make it to Denver and get a replacement engine there. And the engineer thought and carried on at half power. Further on, further down the line, if you didn't guess by now, the other engine broke down. And the train came to a standstill in the middle of nowhere. 
And the engineer needed to inform the passengers about why the train had stopped. And always trying to look for the brighter side like we all do. Always trying to look for the bright, bright side of things. Made the following announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, I have some good news and some bad news. The bad news is that both the engines have failed. And we will be stuck here for some time until the additional engines arrive. The good news is that you didn't take this trip in a plane. <laughs> you, you, did, you, did, you didn't take this trip. And so, and sometimes in our interaction with people, right, we try to come up with, with, these, with these things to apologize for some things that maybe we find isn't really happening. Let's not bother to apologize because the power of God flows through you. Whether you believe it or not, it flows, it flows through you. And I'll, I'll read this one other analogy. One New Year's Day in the tournament of, of the Roses Parade, a beautiful float suddenly sputtered and quits. It was out of gas. And imagine this. The whole parade was held up until someone could get a can of gas, you know, petrol. The Americans say gas. The amusing thing was that the float represented the Standard Oil Company, Standard <laughs> Petroleum Company. <laughs> uh, I think it's, it'll, it'll, it'll come close to home right now. With its vast oil resources, its truck was out of gas. Even though Christians have access to God's omnipotence, if we do not avail ourselves to it, we will run out of power. If we don't, if we don't abide in that word, if we don't abide, we, we like this. So we've got this unlimited, can you imagine that? We have that, doesn't matter, we have this unlimited power that, that, that flows in and, in and through us. And, and, and because we at times are not prepared or we at times allow our experience to come in the way to hinder us or because we are deeply ashamed. You know, deeply ashamed. I was catching up with David Westbrook on, on Friday at uh, Casey, uh, Casey Central, I think. No, yeah, Casey Central. And just seeing how he is and all of that, and, and then he was saying that he's got to go back for some treatment again. And so I decided to, you know, as I, was, as I stood up, I, I was prompted to pray. And then I thought, maybe I should sit down so no one can see. So, and now, I, I'm a pastor. In case you didn't know. <laughs> and I'm a pastor of this church. And that was the first thought that came to mind. No, maybe you should sit down, right? Don't make a big deal of all of that. So I resisted that. And I just grabbed his hands and I just began to pray in front of everyone that was walking up and down. And I thought, why, 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 why should I? Why should I? You know? I mean, there's an application of wisdom in places. Yes, I can understand. Right? But there's, there's an aspect that that tends to define who we are and our identity in Christ. And it is at that point in time that you and I need to decide, where will we stand? Who will we vote for at that point in time? 
Because that's how the power of God then begins to flow through you and I. You know, again, praying for this person, as Krista was saying, in, 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 in this church, that I went, it's, an, it's an Arabic church, and after giving this girl a word, and, and then she comes up thinking that the pastor had told her about, about everything that I shared about her, and so she and the pastor came, and the pastor said, Did you know that I didn't share anything? So I said, no, oh, of course, I, he didn't share anything. And then she said, can you pray? And then when I began to pray for her, Pray for this person. And after that, after the pressure, she said, oh, man, it's, it's hot, it's hot. And she's just going like that, it's hot, it's hot. And, and just experiencing that power just there and then for her. I mean, this is the first time she's experiencing that power. Right? Now, in, an, in a setting that's outside of a church. Now, within a church, it's fine. We, we can do that. But outside of the church, do we find that when the opportunity for that comes about, do we retreat out of fear, out of shame? Or do we do it out of wisdom? Wisdom is important. Wherever we are, the application of wisdom is extremely important. I know in my foolish... Uh, I would say conquest. In you know, when you're young and when you, you, you think that's oh as as a believer you gotta you, you gotta make sure that you know you get as many people saved and so you go out and you do things on the basis of recruitment. And that's that's where I think the church has really made a name for itself. Where we've been more concerned about recruiting people as opposed to loving people, as opposed to relating with them and having a relationship with them. Because Jesus never called us to convert. He called us to disciple. Amen? He asked us to disciple. And the only way that we can disciple is when we have a relationship. And our brother just shared that with us. After that, they began to meet, they began to follow up, and they began to do that. Right? They, they, they began to do, to do all of that. Right, and I, I want to. Uh, I need to end. Hallelujah, and and I, I want to share a, a couple of these verses now. So, so the context of, of Paul now speaking to the Romans and especially addressing the aspect of power. Right, he addresses this one thing. He ad- he addresses this issue of 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 speaking to uh, the Romans because that was the Roman Empire. They were a very powerful empire. So he now begins to come and he tells them this, hey, the power of the gospel is way more powerful than your empire. And so he's now telling the believers, don't be ashamed of that. Yeah, you may think that these guys, you know, they've got the shield, they've got the spear, they've got all of this, and they've got all of these conquests, but the power, this power is way more powerful. Now imagine, imagine Paul now going into that setting and then now trying to deliver to these people and say, oh, it's, it's Jesus. He was the son of a carpenter. Excuse me? Son of a carpenter. You're talking to us about the son of a carpenter. Yes, but he's also the son of God. Now, he's, he's having to rehearse all of this. So he's thinking through all of this. Now, he's got to go to a group of people, to, to an empire that is so awesomely powerful. And he's now going to deliver to them this aspect. So he tells them this. 
hey, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. In the, so we need to understand the context in which he now begins to, to deliver this. We live in a day and age where that seems to be like it too. Right? There are so many other things that seem to be powerful, that seemingly seem to be, to be powerful. But when, you, when we look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5 and 9, this is a powerful, powerful verse. Because, read it with me, because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction, you know how we lived among you for your sake. For they themselves report what kind of reputation you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Isn't that amazing? I mean, let's look at our lives. What did we turn from? So if I were to ask you this question, what made you change? What's changed in your life? What's, what's transformed you? What's transformed you? You know, J. Wilbur Chapman was in London. He had an opportunity to meet with the incredible man of God, General Booth. You know who General Booth is? Salvation Army. Who at that time was past 80 years of age. Dr. Chapman listened reverently as the old general spoke of his trials and the conflicts and the victories. Then the American evangelist asked the general if he would disclose his secret for success. He hesitated a second, Dr. Chapman said, and I saw the tears come into his eyes and steal down his cheeks. And then he said, I will tell you the secret. God has had all their, God, God has, oh, sorry, God has had all there was for me. There have been men with great brains, greater brains than I, men with greater opportunities. But from the day I got the poor of London on my heart, and a vision of what Jesus Christ could do with the poor of London. I made up my mind that God would have all of William Booth. All of William Booth there was. And if there is anything of power in the Salvation Army today, it is because God has all the adoration of my heart, all the power of my will, and all the influence of my life. Dr. Chapman said he went away from that meeting with General Booth knowing that the greatness of a man's power is the measure of surrender. The greatest of our power is the measure of our surrender to Christ. Because the power of the gospel, the power of transformation can only be as powerful as we surrender ourselves to him. Every step of the way. When he says, get out of the boat, get out of the boat. 
when he says go go don't say lord send her i will pay for her but when he says go go when he says give give when he says pray pray so as we close our eyes this morning i want us to consider the time that you met with him and that time that you found that this power that we read about this gospel came to you not just with words but with power that did, that that dynamis works in and through you you know at Sept- september 11 when they had when uh, the mayor giuliano was at a church gathering because one of the police officers four of them who died belonged to the brooklyn tabernacle church and they were having the memorial service for the for the police officer and mayor giuliano stood up when he was asked to come and speak and he said i wonder whether the police officers or the um the emergency services the ems whether any of them would have thought i wonder how many blacks are up there for me to save i wonder how many whites are there for me to save i wonder how many hispanics are there for me to save oh i wonder how many are, how many they earn about half a million in how many 40 maybe 40 50,000 that was never a question that would have entered their minds they just went to save anyone and everyone anyone and everyone and god looks at us that drunk that you heard about is as important as you who is sitting here doesn't look at that and that's how god looks at us and so when he places people on our hearts do we carry them enough so that we get to see their faces close your eyes who's god put on your heart close your eyes and begin to tell the lord man god i want to experience this dunamis it's in me Don't let it just be potential. Let it be released. Hallelujah. Come on. Just begin to pray there.